Welcome to your sanity safe space. Not a fucking issue. With your favorite YouTube podcast duo. You're fucking a white man. And a white female too. Saving the millennial generation in weekly installments. <laughs> Live from a castle tower and his mother's basement. This, this. is Beauty and the Beta. <laughs> and we will make America great again. Out here in the fields, I fight for my meals. First of all, you don't need men to have patriarchy. I get my back into my living. Newsflash, bimbo. <laughs> I don't need to fight. You're fired. You know what? You're fired. You're all fired. To prove I'm right. Why did you fire the director call me? Because he wasn't doing a good job, very simply. He was not doing a good job. day we all have true beliefs and we all have false beliefs skepticism is about acknowledging that it's questioning even the seemingly unquestionable and being willing to adjust our beliefs as we get new information you are fake news hello and welcome to the show it is a great show it is a terrific show it is a tremendous show frankly the best you can't ask anyone about that. People often do. This, of course, is Beauty and the Beta. My name is Matt Christensen. I am flanked on my right, as always, by my wonderful co-host, Rebecca Blonde. Welcome. Hello. And uh, we had what I thought was a really great discussion with Anthony Brian Logan this week. Uh, that will be coming up in about an hour's time. So that's exciting. Good guy. I really liked him. So yeah. to chat with him. Uh, but first, what was your favorite James Comey memory? A lot of good, a lot of good ones to think about. Maybe not. Maybe not on the spot. <laughs> oh, are you asking me? I thought it was no, rhetorical. Yeah, go for it. You got one. Um, of all time, no. I need a minute for this. Okay, all right. I'll check back. I did mean <laughs> it rhetorically. I shouldn't have put you on the spot. Uh, we'll bring down. Um, uh, we will break that down. Um, because there's a lot of points of confusion on it, a lot of conspiracy theories. I'm not a fan of the way the president handled this. Full disclosure. So you know, maybe I'll get a little more critical of Trump than I have been at points in the past. Uh, plus, um, what else we got? Oh, nobody more crazy on this issue. I would say than our guy, Keith Olbermann. And I don't want this to be the Keith Olbermann show. I really don't. That's why I use Keith sparingly. He's a point of point of entertainment for us. But oh, we use Keith sparingly. Is that, is that the claim you're making? I I try. I really do. Cause I don't want him to be an every week feature, but this week the Comey firing has sent him off the deep end, even for him. So we will check in with Keith Olbermann. Uh, as much as I, I, God, maybe we should just ignore him at this point. Anyway, uh, (laughs) the big internet and uh, YouTube talker of the week was Lacey Green's video about her. Um, I don't know if it's new. I don't know if that's a proper way to characterize the video, but her red pilled perspective that she explains, um, we will break down not only her video, but some of the reaction to it. There's kind of praise and skepticism, uh, in reaction to that. Um, and Hey, speaking of feminist reforming, uh, everyday feminism, might go out of uh, business. It's on the brink of collapse. Um, yes, fingers crossed. What they, what the them is say, yeah, it's a plea for survival that the managing editor put out. <laughs> I call it an impromptu comedy piece. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Uh, oh, this too. So obviously we talk about hoax hate crimes all the time, specifically hoax hijab pullings. And it has come to my attention uh, that there was a confirmed hijab pulling this last week. I'm not even saying that in jest. Confirmed to be true. And 
Uh, listeners also linked me to a past confirmed case coming out of England of a niqab pulling. Ah, Very there advanced. it is. <laughs> Very advanced. So we will discuss that. Um, I also uncovered it. A listener sent me another hijab song. Uh, there is another oh. hijab song after last week's uh, cringeworthy song. This one's probably I know, more cringy. I think so. Paul Joseph Watson made a video about it. Oh, did he? Yeah. Oh, okay. So maybe that's that's where it came from. I got a little clip of it for you. Don't worry. It won't be too long. And uh, lastly, the creator of Pepe, he has tried to put the frog to rest. But sorry, dude, the internet has taken over. You'll never get him back. <laughs> uh, and it's only spawned better memes. So uh, we'll get into that. Uh, Pepe is not going anywhere. Sorry, dude. Uh, and of course, we'll take your super chat questions or comments uh, in between topics. Uh, it will be all this and more in your favorite hour listening material. Thank you for liking the show on YouTube. Thank you for reviewing the show on iTunes. Thank you for keeping us afloat, helping us upgrade stuff on Patreon. Thank you for emailing us. That is beautyandthebeta at gmail.com. And there's more of the show on the audio platforms if you want more to listen to. iTunes, Google Play, uh, anywhere you can find your podcast, you can find us. We did the Warski show a couple weeks ago. I put up You and Tree of Logic this last week, a good hour-long interview between, or just discussion between you two. So more to listen to there. Uh, okay. I got to catch up on listener submissions. Oh, got yeah. Got a couple good ones. Uh I, I received one a couple weeks ago. I forgot to play it last week, but listener patent trending sent me a clip of him and his daughter. Uh, I, when I first saw it, I thought it was sincere, but this is actually a clip of him and his daughter uh, presented as though it is a bigoted parenting style. This is the bigoted parenting style of the <laughs> alt-right from listener patent trending. Joy, how old are you? Six. Who do you want to be when you grow up? I, I want to be, I want to be just like my mom and dad. You can't be a daddy, can you? No, because I'm a girl. <laughs> no, but you can be a mommy, can't you? Yeah. Okay, I love you. I love you, daddy. <laughs> what a piece of shit. What a piece of shit, that guy. Put a on Monstrous him. parenting right there. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Um, I had a kind of a meme-worthy video moment this week, so our guy Facepalm Reality, he put me uh, in the shooting stars meme. Uh, this I thought this was pretty fun. And praying daily for advertisers to return to YouTube. You hear that, Verizon and AT&T? I'm not a Nazi, and I got the ink to prove it. <laughs> I love the Bigfoot footage and the Nazi footage. very cool uh and then of course that lent itself to some horrific images this one included you never thought you'd see my own face on my semi-bare chest but there's a context for everything and uh, and there it is uh also a couple mugs uh new patrons getting their mugs uh this one from i'm not sure if it's xo dreve i don't know how to pronounce it but very cool uh very cool supremacist symbol to go with his (laughs) mug that he received and I forgot to share Michael's mug last week and boy, did he let me have it on Twitter. So uh, <laughs> I put it, put it back in our friend, Michael from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, though I don't hold it against him or I try not to uh, having his uh, drinking his coffee in what I believe is his newly remodeled home. If I'm correct, or they're doing some sort of construction in the home. Don't quote me on that, but I believe that to be the case. If so, congratulations on your new home or your new home setup. Lastly, Uh, We got an email this week in the inbox uh, from the father of one of our lovely listeners, someone with whom I've interacted on Twitter for sure. 
And I know she sent us, I don't know, artwork or memes and stuff in the past. I remember seeing it. Her name is Christiana. And um, she has a newborn baby who is going through some health troubles, uh, going in and out of surgery because of some intestinal issues. So the baby's name is Orson. Uh, we hope Orson comes through this. This is a shout out to Christiana. And we hope that she's doing well and uh, all things considered is able to, to pull through with a, with a healthy baby. Um, so we want to thank her for supporting the show. And to our audience, there is a GoFundMe for baby Orson set up uh, for Christiana. And it's uh, linked atop the description. Uh, the show has made a contribution. If you're feeling generous, please do make a contribution for listener Christiana. We would appreciate that very much. Okay. Uh, there's all the, the, the logistical items at the top of the show. But the talking points only get more difficult from here because we got to talk about Comey. <laughs> What and a weird God. week. Doesn't Can this we... feel like this happened just months ago? The oh, news know, cycle turns over so quickly. But yeah, this and was a week ago. <laughs> there are just so many... Every day this week, this story was changing. And that is what's frustrating about this, because there's really one person to blame for that. And I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Like I, I think the president really botched this one. Will it be hugely consequential? Eh, I don't know. Maybe not. But I don't think it... It's something that should have been pretty easy to handle, I think. And it yeah. wasn't. And, and so we'll explain why. So the timeline, it, this starts on Tuesday. And, and I was actually, I was in a hangout with a patron on Tuesday and this news was breaking and I couldn't bless him. What's, Comey's been fired? Why? And it was just kind of out of nowhere. You didn't really expect that to happen. And uh, it starts with this letter that, um, that Trump sends to Comey. And it, it's, it, he just, he says, I'm going to let you go. Thank you for informing me on three separate occasions that I'm not under... <laughs> Um, <laughs> investigation for the Russia stuff, by the way. And what he says is, you'll notice the first line, I've received the attached letters from Attorney General and Deputy Attorney General, uh, the Attorney General and the Deputy Attorney General of the United States, recommending your dismissal. And I'm going to go along with that. And this Deputy Attorney General is, his name is Rod Rosenstein. He's a newly confirmed official under... Um, As of when? April 25th, I think? Yeah, a couple weeks ago. Okay. So, so he, that that kind of puts some context around the ti this timing in some way, at least. <clears throat> Kinda, but <laughs> I mean, the big question is why the time, like why now? And there's a million theories on this, ranging from some, uh, ranging from Trump is a diabolical genius to the dude is just basically uh, reactionary and uh, reactionary and ill-advised at times. I'm more persuaded on the latter, but maybe he is doing. 40 underwater chess equations on a marker board. And that's, that's what led to this. But so th there's not necessarily a problem with that. I mean, if you want to let the guy go and the AG thinks it's time to let the guy go, let the guy go. Okay. Problem is um, that a lot of his administration goes with this story. Oh, before that, the other big problem, Comey was not informed of this in a, what I think is a fair dignified way. I mean, supposedly they sent somebody to him and he was not there. And then he found out uh, he was at uh, some kind of what, who was he speaking to? I think other agents. Yeah, my understanding, it was at an L.A. FBI office. Ah, gotcha. Um, and then he saw on the TV screens that he had been fired and he was like, oh, funny joke, guys. And they're like, oh, again, in this room, we need to talk about this. <laughs> yeah. By the way, got something to tell you. So, so we shook everybody's hand and then went off into a room. Maybe I am missing place. something there. Maybe there was an effort. I didn't read of that. Maybe there's an effort to, to inform him. I don't really know if there, if it matters that there was that much of an effort. I mean, you have to tell him he can't find out in this way. This was so undignified. It actually made me feel sorry for him despite his transgressions. 
Yeah, I'm not I'm not a fan of that move. And it's it shouldn't be I don't think it's a big ask to just give the guy the courtesy. How of, hard is it to find on. him and tell him before he finds out another way? Well, and then here's the other thing that bugs me about this is he apparently did not tell his team about what exactly happened. And he puts out this letter and his team goes and by his team, I mean, his administration, specifically Mike Pence and Sarah Huckabee Sanders, the deputy press secretary filling in for Sean Spicer this week, delivering the company line that's basically in the letter. And this, so this happens on Wednesday. They, they say basically the same thing that we just heard. Or that we saw in the President letter. Trump made the right decision at the right time, uh, and uh, to uh, to accept the recommendation of the Deputy Attorney General and the Attorney. Okay, so accept the recommendation of the AG or the Deputy AG. Gotcha. That's what the letter says. Attorney General, uh, to ask for the termination, uh, to support the termination of the Director of the FBI. Accordingly, the President accepted the recommendation of his Deputy Attorney General to remove James Comey from his position. So she goes with the same line, too. Now, this reporter is going to ask her, isn't it true that the President decided, made this decision prior to speaking with Rod Rosenstein, this Deputy AG, on Monday? And she gives him a flat no. That this was, her claim is that the AG's office uh, came up with this on its own and then Trump had not made up his mind and then made up his mind as a result of this independent effort of the AG and specifically the deputy AG. Isn't it true that the president had already decided to fire James Comey and he asked the Justice Department to put together the rationale for that firing? No. Is absolute, when did he make the decision? Uh, I, he made the decision for the final decision to move forward with it was yesterday, but I know that he's been contemplating it for a while. Okay, so that adds some color to the the letter. I mean, those aren't necessarily that was some creative exclusive. wording, though. She said the final decision. Yes. To do it. Right. He had been so, contemplating it, like you know, it's not as though he had never thought of it before. Yeah, but basically, but we still have Trump's letter itself saying, "Oh, I'm just going to accept the recommendation of the deputy AG," and then we have Pence saying the same thing. And we have Sarah mm -hmm. Huckabee Sanders saying some variation of that same thing, even though it might have, maybe he was thinking about it prior, but ultimately it was this AG letter that, that swayed him. That's what we're going with. Okay, then Trump gets on NBC News with Lester Holt on Thursday night and contradicts all of that. He's a showboat, he's a grandstander. He's a showboat. The FBI has been in turmoil, <laughs> just, you know that. I, I, he's a showboat, he's a grandstander. Oh. So Trumpian. <laughs> Okay. The FBI has been in turmoil. You know that. I know that. Everybody knows that. Monday you met with the Deputy Attorney General, Rod Rosenstein. Right. Did you ask for a recommendation? Uh, what I did is I was going to fire Comey. My decision. It was not... You had made the decision before they came uh, in the I, I was going to fire Comey. Uh, I, there's no good time to do it, by the way. Uh, they, <laughs> because in your letter you said I, I accepted, accepted their recommendation. Yeah, well, they so you also, had already made the decision. I, oh, I was going to fire regardless of recommendation. So there was, regardless of recommendation, I was going to fire Comey, knowing there was no good time to do it. And in fact, when I decided to just do it, I said to myself, I said, you know, this Russia thing with Trump and Russia is a made-up story. It's an excuse. 
by the Democrats for having lost an election. But were you a fan of him, him of taking up that investigation? About the Hillary Clinton investigation? No, about, about the Russia investigation and no, possible links between... Look, look, as far as I'm... And so this is just some clarification, too. Like, this is him... This is not about disrupting the Russia investigation, at least according to Trump. And I buy this to be fairly genuine. But this is his commentary on that. Concerned. I want that thing to be absolutely done properly. When I did this now, I said... I probably, maybe, will confuse people. Maybe I'll expand that, you know, I'll lengthen the time because it should be over with. It should, in my opinion, should have been over with a long time ago because all it is is an excuse. But I said to myself, I might even lengthen out the investigation, but I have to do the right thing for the American people. He's the wrong man for that position. Okay, so what I take, and a lot of people have commented on this, is like, look, He's he himself is not a party to this investigation on the on the, the Russians and the election. He seems to be frustrated with the even any implication that he is. And he probably got pissed off and was like, ah, whatever, get somebody in there who will hurry this up. I mean, he doesn't have the power to stop it. But. Right, right. I think that what it, what it seems happened there is that they got together and they established some talking points that they all agreed to. And then Trump did this interview with Lester Holt and went fucking rogue. Yeah. Went totally rogue. But, and that's the thing is it's one thing for Trump to contradict his own team because that to me just suggests you haven't done a good job in leadership and communication. But he contradicts himself. And it's like, oh, I'd already made the decision to fire Comey. Why is the first line about this recommendation from the attorney general and you accepting right. the recommendation then? I mean, those aren't mutually exclusive, but it's misleading about what the timeline of the decision making was. And it reeks of like, I mean, hey, you go, go, go write me a memo to like, (laughs) so I can scapegoat you. Yeah, because it was just your decision. And I agreed. I don't know. Maybe maybe he's just trolling all of us. Maybe he didn't tell Comey because that was a big troll, too, because it was embarrassing for him. Uh, Yeah. Okay. maybe this is some 4D chess shit. Who knows? Well, I'll get into implications in in, in a moment here because there's more. There is more to the case that I want to cover. Um, specifically, there's more to the interview here, uh, and and you heard you heard Trump say, um, "Oh, I was informed by Comey that I am not a party, that I am not under investigation." And he he says, "Oh, he told me this at a dinner and twice on the phone." Now Trump, as we'll hear with Lester Holt, says, "Oh, Comey." Um, invited me to dinner because he wanted to stay on as FBI director. And then I asked him flat out, am I under investigation? And he said, no. Comey has a different uh, different take on that dinner, which I guess was in January. Now, it's unclear if they're talking about the exact same dinner, but it's believed that these two only had one dinner together. So they're probably talking about the same thing. Now, Comey says, I'll show it in a minute. There's a New York Times article about it. Comey says, no, Trump invited me. And then when I was there, Trump asked me if I had, uh, if he had my unconditional loyalty. And I said, I will be honest with you at all times, but I'm not going to do some weird loyalty pledge. And Trump apparently was pissed off about that. So Mm. there's weird conflict, conflicting claims on that. Let's check out what Trump said about this dinner. Let me ask you about your termination letter to Mr. Comey. You write, I greatly appreciate you informing me on three separate occasions that I am not under investigation. Why did you put that in there? Because he told me that. I mean, he told me he that. He told you one under investigation yeah, with re- and I, regard I've to heard the Russian that. investigation? I've heard that from others. I think Was it the, in a phone call? Did you meet face to face? I had a dinner with him. He wanted to have dinner because he wanted to stay on. We had a very nice dinner he, at the White he House. He asked for the dinner. A dinner was arranged. I think he asked for the dinner. And he wanted to stay on as the FBI head. And I said, 
I'll, you know, consider. We'll see what happens. And did you ask, am I under investigation? I actually asked him, yes. I said, if it's possible, would you let me know, am I under investigation? He said, you are not under investigation. <laughs> you were laughing at his communication style before we went live. But yeah, there's something know. quirky about I, it. I was talking about uh, this with Matt before the show went live, but like, you know, I love Trump, but every time he opens his mouth, I am just waiting for him to say something that embarrasses me. It's like having a drunk uncle you've got to watch out for or something. Like, oh, what is he going to say next? It's it's cringy. Just every interview. I, he, I love there's, the there's a certain quirkiness to it, and I love his mannerisms, but yeah, it's uh, it's hard to... It, it, it does grate on me a little bit when there's so many conflicting pieces of information all in one week, all in one week. And so this is what... That's what Trump claims about the dinner. And as I said, um, Comey then comes out and says, in a private dinner, Trump demanded loyalty. Um, Comey demurred. I don't think I've ever seen that word. Demurred. Uh, let's just say rejected. Um, so and then so Comey's claim is, look, uh, he asked me to a dinner in January. Um, the president made small talk with Comey about the election and crowd sizes at Mr. Trump's rallies, of course. Um, the president then turned the conversation to whether Mr. Comey would pledge his loyalty to him. Mr. Comey declined to make the pledge. Instead, Mr. Comey has recount Mr. Comey has recounted to others. He told Mr. Trump that he would always be honest with him, but that he was not quote reliable in the conventional political sense. So, mm. I mean, who who do you believe? Um, me, everybody hated Comey though. Weird, I mean. I have a problem with the leftist hypocrisy here. Everybody's like, I love Comey. I hate Comey. And they're like, he should be fired. And then he gets fired. They're like, why was he fired at this time? Yeah. I'll get into that in a minute. Cause some of the, that's the, Keith is a big part of that hypocrisy. And, um, Stephen Colbert's audience was awesome too. We talked about it a little bit on the <laughs> yeah. Colin show on Wednesday, but yeah. I have the clip. <laughs> uh, he just lectures so, them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, make, make what you will of the dinner. I don't know that I have, conclusions there but again another conflicting piece of information that i find to be uh, a little bit frustrating uh there's some questions about what happens now too because of course the natural left left wing or democratic reaction has been he's covering up the russia investigation there's a big move comey was right on the brink that's of such having a stupid argument because gun. this doesn't change the investigation at, at all really i mean it's still the investigation still goes on no so all yeah all the documents remain intact there's no destruction of documentation or files um all of this stuff there's an article uh, i will link in the description from politico that explains the process this is all governed by guidelines and protocol and um this this investigation will continue a new director can't kill it the only thing the director can do is like mass scale or long-term changes you know like um investigatory priorities or budgetary priorities for the bureau You'd have to make those changes over a long period of time. This director can't come in and make sweeping changes. And even if that person tried to do something like that, you don't think Congress would uh, say, oh, uh, slow down. Uh, why don't you come talk <laughs> yeah. to us about what's going on at the FBI? So this, if, if it's a conspiracy to kill the investigation, it's not a very good plan. No. You, you should hire those Russian hackers to steal the files is what you should do. So... Um, I, I just want to talk, like, why am I frustrated by this? Because it, it, to me, it shows some level of bad leadership, bad communication. Um, and I don't like that. But beyond that, if you, it, it's just terrible. Uh, it's just terrible politics. 
You know, like if, if you're right. the president, you want to have people focused on the health care bill. You want to have he's talking about tax reform all the time. Instead, you're making a week long controversy out of what, what would have been basically nothing if you just handled this properly and let him go and communicated with your team. It would have been like 24 hours in the news and the crazy lefties like Keith Olbermann would have freaked out. But that would have been it. And you can move uh, on. To- I disagree. I think that they would have hung on to this one for a while. This is big <laughs> news, no matter how he did it. I mean, they, they really, really fucked up the. <laughs> The execution here, what I'm as saying they is, do often, but yeah. And what I'm saying is that magnifies it and gives them some kind of plausibility because it seems so bizarre and invites conspiracy theorizing. Uh, yeah, but we knew that was going to happen anyway. As soon as I heard this was happening, the first thing that I thought was, "Wow, the left is going to immediately be like, this is to throw everybody off the scent of this Russian nonsense," and that's what they've done. Yeah, <clears throat> I, I do agree. They would say that either way. I just think. Uh, if you had if you had just a simple basic explanation for and i'd accept any explanation frankly obviously comey had been the right hates comey because of not charging hillary the left hates right. comey because they think he won the election for trump and um uh, so the fbi it, hates comey because he's been politicizing everything that he shouldn't be there's plenty of reasons that you could do it and frankly even if trump had said you know i'm just letting comey go as part of like draining the swamp you know just refreshing the leadership around here i'd be fine with that i don't it's not the reason it's the it's the execution that just drives me crazy right right and i wonder why he didn't just meet with his team and say um we're going to tell the press that uh i've been planning on doing this for a long time and that the ag's letter was the final nail in the coffin like, why the fuck didn't they get all on the same page before they start doing a bunch of interviews? What's wrong with you no, guys? I know. And I don't believe that Pence and Huckabee Sanders are lying. I think they just, he didn't give them good information. That's right. what I think. They said um, it the exact same thing that, I mean, that really lends to the theory that these were, you know, agreed upon talking points. Yeah. Uh, okay. Let's get to the hypocrisy because hypocrisy is fun. I don't want to get bogged down in the weeds here. And I don't want to be overly negative. Because, um, you know, if, if you think that we're being overly critical of the president here, oh boy, oh boy. Uh, as I said, Keith is back and Keith might be the biggest hypocrite on all of these things, both because he had called for Comey's firing previously and now calls Trump a traitorous motherfucker for doing it. But also because he his whole conspiracy theorizing on Trump is Trump is illegitimate because he's a because of foreign, specifically Russian influence. And now <laughs> Keith is out this week saying, um, yeah, hey. Why don't you foreign intelligence agencies, including Russian intelligence agencies, give us all your shit on Trump so we can overthrow him? <laughs> and this is this is a straight case for treason from Keith Olbermann. So let's check this out. Uh, first, I want to show those hypocritical tweets because this was after Comey came out and re uh, noted the investigation was ongoing with Hillary's emails and Anthony Weiner's computer right before the election day. Uh, we must hashtag fire Comey because of that. And this is. Just before election day, November 6th. Okay, Trump fires Comey six months later. Uh, Oh, you've just impeached yourself. Hashtag flee. Uh, (laughs) Things will never calm down until you are removed from office, you motherfucking traitor. For firing Comey. Okay, now let's listen to the case for why we have to help have foreign governments help us overthrow the president. And now, with a message from the intern desk of the Propaganda Ministry, here's Keith Olbermann. Scum! 
Russian scum. I appeal to the intelligence agencies and the governments of what is left of the free world, to GCHQ and MI6 in the UK, to the BND in Germany, the DGSE in France, the ASIS in Australia, and even to the GRU in Russia. We, the citizens of the United States of America, are the victims of a coup. We need your leaks, your information, your intelligence, your recordings, your videos, your conscience. The civilian government and the military of the United States are no longer in the hands of the people. Whatever evidence you may have, you cannot conceal it any longer. Whatever there is on Trump, reveal it. A dictator in training has betrayed our Constitution and nevertheless survived two nights in office. For now, the rest of us who only want our democracy back, we can have no... Does he mean survive, oh, really? like literally survive two nights in office, or does he mean politically survive? I can't tell with this guy. I don't know. Like, what are you talking about? We want our democracy back after this kerfuffle with... Whatever, keep going, keep going. There's only, yeah, there's only like 20 seconds, don't worry. Rules either. <laughs> we will take the risk of reestablishing the rules later on. For all of our faults, for good or bad, we cannot be left as a fascist rogue state and an enemy of freedom and international comity. The fate of all freedoms may rest in your hands and your willingness to not merely hint, but show what you know. Resist. Peace. <laughs> Oh, uh, as a general rule of thumb, we should just stop with Keith Oberman. He's, I mean, he's gotten <laughs> I, I, to a point where I'm I like, know. I think that this man's just mentally ill and we're, yeah. we're witnessing his very public People were <laughs> turning emotional on him. meltdown. People were turning on him a little bit on this one because when I go there, I'm always, I'm often amused by the fact that they receive high praise both on Twitter and on YouTube. And I thought, this is like some other world shit. I, I can't believe these people think this is rational, coherent smart yeah. thinking and but this one people are like okay dude now i'm convinced that you're mentally ill um what are the downvote ratios like on his it's Actually, gq still, right i ask you this every week they still do pretty well i mean a lot of his videos have ten thousand upvotes like really i mean lots and well, lots compared of, to what i mean oh not not a lot of downvotes maybe 500 maybe a thousand like still a really good ratio hmm that's kind of surprising actually i, I figured he'd just be getting panned like the buzzfeed crowd no, no. I mean, people like him. People like him for some reason. But I, it's just this hypocrisy of that's what I can't get over is that hypocrisy of, uh, oh, Trump's illegitimate because he colluded with the Russians. Uh, by the way, Russians collude with me to achieve my political goals. Uh, right. <sighs> and nobody seems to be pointing this out. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to. But to your point, I don't want to. I don't want this to be the Keith show. I just he will probably never top that. Maybe that's the last we'll ever see. I just had, I had to play it because it's so, he's so over the top now. It's so ridiculous. Uh, to your point on the hypocrisy, I don't know if this is a hypocritical, but there's this large segment of the left that doesn't know how to react to this uh, because they hate Trump because he's Trump and they hate Comey because he's Comey and he helped get Trump in office. So this reaction on Colbert's show as news was breaking was <laughs> hilarious. It's Stephen Colbert on Tuesday night, I think. Huge story. That and they taped this early. So he's, doing this as it's breaking broke little just minutes ago like less than 10 minutes ago fbi director james comey has just been fired by donald trump <laughs> oh, wow. huge huge donald trump fans here tonight that's that shows no gratitude at all man i mean what did trump forget about the hillary emails that comey talked about uh, thanks for the presidency uh jimmy now don't let the door hit you where the electoral college split you I don't even get the joke, but yeah, I mean, 
Yeah. Oh, oh, no, sorry. Oh, they cheer wildly and then he kind of has to correct them. He's like, no, no. He, he looks confused. He's like, oh, shit. Now everybody can tell that my audience is retarded. <laughs> That's why they need. I mean, the, maybe they've become so desensitized to comedy. I mean, the left has long been divorced from comedy. That's one of the ongoing riffs that I have with them. Maybe for people like Colbert, they just need to put up big signs that say like applause and boo to give them yeah. cues because <laughs> they can't think for themselves. And I, I'm... I don't know that I cheer this or boo this. I, I only boo the execution, not the concept. Um, and I, I, I don't love know. that clip, though. It just shows how reactionary they are and yeah. they don't quite understand. And I guess they were still angry about the Hillary emails thing. And so they're like, all right, right on. I don't even care that this was Trump. <laughs> Colbert doesn't know what to do. There's like a second there where he's like, yeah. Uh, it's weird good thing he's good on his feet and then yeah. later uh, i don't know if you clip this up but um later he like go in the show he goes on to explain to to his audience like oh i didn't why, see why <laughs> with kid gloves why this is a bad thing and why the timing oh. is suspicious and stuff yeah god i didn't know that that's even funnier that's that's more yeah uh, it's like during the i think the sit down portion of of the show yeah okay he's hey, like audience. and when you all applauded <laughs> Let me tell you how to think and what to think. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, you need me and you need us to, uh, to to tell you when to boo and when to cheer. Okay. That's that's half the show spent on Comey. I'm sure that the the, uh, the audience is tiring of that. Let's but, talk about Lacey Green. Yeah. Let's um. Are, have, are we? Uh, do we have super chat? I want to acknowledge super chat before we got hella super chat. Um, okay. Some of these I can't read because they come from. My audience. <laughs> oh, your audience. Okay. Oh no, Dan Irish. Uh, yeah, he said something that I that I can't say. Ten dollars, and then Go Pack Go. He gave us another five dollars. Go and Pack then, Go. Uh, uh, I'm not thanking that person. Just kidding. <laughs> Dan Irish. Thank you, Dan Irish. Oh, did, oh, did he say that? That was Dan who said that. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I don't thank him. Don't ever, don't ever donate to this show again, Dan. And then we got Steve J that just gave us $5. We got Biggest Mikey gave us $6. And he said episode 28 of Biggest Mikey podcast is out now. Keep up the good work, Matt and Rebecca. Oh, he's Rebecca. buying Thank advertising you. on our show? Hey, I don't give a shit. That's fine. <laughs> Everybody watch the Biggest Mikey show. I do watch like it. Biggest Mikey's podcast. I'm a patron Amanda of Keck Mikey. gave us yeah. $10 and said, Comey is a punk. Praise Keck Chatelet. Um, and then we have Constantine the Mediocre. Is Lester Holt black or white? I think he's black. <laughs> they talk about that on Crowder's show a lot. What he's race is Lester black, Holt? He's literally black, right? Kind of. Kinda. Don't let his glasses confuse you. I'm pr I'm pretty sure he's black. I mean, he's um, not then, he's not white, right? I, mm. <laughs> I don't know. So if you if you know, go ahead and email. Well, us. his glasses and bow tie, and voice lead me to believe he's white, but his hair quality leads me to believe he's black and color skin. You mean white? White. <laughs> white. Uh, Humane mind gave us five dollars. Why does this even matter? Everyone wanted him fired. He got fired. Why is this news? Is there no, some other matter that's being overlooked in all of this? I kind of agree. But that, that's yeah. the thing is like, yeah, if, if this wasn't botched so hard, I wouldn't talk about it so much. Uh, maybe uh, we shouldn't talk about it at all. But it wouldn't be it wouldn't be as big of news if it was not ridiculously handled. That's true. That's true. Badly executed. We see that a lot with Trump. Dan Irish just gave us two more dollars and said, you can't tell me what to do. <laughs> Yoda Economics gave us $10. Super Chat won't allow me to send a link, but check out Hollywood super cuck Joss Whedon's latest tweet. He basically alludes oh to the fact that things are so bad in America. He's glad his mom is dead. Jesus. Ooh. All right. And then Hoopty Rider gave us $2. Talk about Lester Holt's upper lip. What is wrong with you guys? <laughs> 
<laughs> we'll break it down next week. We'll do a full Lester yeah, Holt really. breakdown. Yeah, The whole hour is spent on Lester Holt. So let's, um, um, we have oh, two sorry, more. Jim. Liberative, oh. $5. I'm torn. Keith Oberman should be put in jail for treason like this, but his nutty rants are pure entertainment. I am right there with you, bro. <laughs> and Stan Kanapka, our friend, um, $2. You Russian scum, please be my friend. Love. <laughs> Well, thank you, Super Chatter. Ah, and two more people just came in. Stephen Blackman, oh $5. Love your stream. Please go on Failure Terminated stream. I don't know what that is. Uh, thank you, though. And John Edwards, $5. I hear his voice and think, sing me a lullaby, no homo. <laughs> Wait, whose voice? It must be yours. Oh, my voice? Oh, okay. Lullaby and goodbye. <laughs> I don't know the lyrics to, is that Brahms lullaby? All right. Oh, and then Jason Fry just gave us $2 and he said, no caps locked in. All right, oh, that's good. everybody. Okay, okay, okay. Let's get into Lacey because that was the other story this week. I think we can be pretty quick with this. Uh, Lacey Green put this video up. It's it, what did she call it? Taking the red pill, I think. Yeah. And this, this, uh, I saw our friend uh, Jeff Holiday tweeting out. I should have grabbed it, but it was a, a photoshopped picture. Remember when um, Kim Kardashian broke the internet with that butt picture or whatever? Yeah. It, yeah. it was just Lacey Green photoshopped on Kim Kardashian. It was like, <laughs> yeah, Lacey, break the internet. And it's kind of what she did. She really busted up uh, or she just surprised some people. She really surprised some people. She's not going to come out and condemn feminism and she didn't, but I, I appreciated right. what she had to say. There have been people who are really critical, some people who have been more praise uh, praising of her. And I think I'm in that camp more, but this is what Lacey had to say. And then I think you and I will just kind of offer our perspectives on, on uh, what she said and whether or not that. we should, um, give her the benefit of the doubt or whether we should consider her an evil, uh, conniving, scheming infiltrator that we should all, uh, execute on site for trying to, uh, I don't know, <laughs> trying to take over our whatever. Anyway, here's Lacey. You may have noticed that I've been talking to and hanging out with some anti-feminist YouTubers. There've been thousands of tweets and emails and people freaking out. After all, I, Lacey Green, am the very pinnacle of a social justice warrior. But now there's talk that I'm being red pilled. The red pill is a meme that refers to this realization that the world isn't nearly as simple as you thought it was. The question, of course, is what is the truth? And how bad do you want to know? In some sense, I took the red pill a long time ago. It's why I do what I do. My YouTube stuff has always been about the pursuit of forbidden knowledge. This is the type of stuff that forms the core of my feminism, which I would describe as intersectional, sex positive, and skeptical. Skeptical, as in not easily convinced of stuff. At the end of the day, we all have true beliefs and we all have false beliefs. Skepticism is about acknowledging that. It's questioning even the seemingly unquestionable and being willing to adjust our beliefs as we get new information. I went down the rabbit hole of anti-SJW videos and I found that some are pretty disrespectful, but that's not all the channels. I've recently found anti-SJW channels that are well-cited and reasoned, you know, make some interesting points, I decided to reach out to some. And, you know, I was pleasantly surprised. People have been pretty kind to me. Good friends of mine, feminists, have been a little bit skeptical of me. They expressed the opinion that talking to antis or problematic people is, you know, not gonna be worth the time, that I'm engaging with bigots and validating the perspectives. While I can appreciate this perspective, I fundamentally disagree with it. You know, I think the definition of harm is being pushed too far in regard to political speech, that this heightened level of sensitivity is actually resulting in some censorship. Boom. Yeah, totally. I mean, 
despite what everybody's saying to me in my comment section about the video that I made about this, people just ripped me a new asshole. Like when I saw this video, I wanted to stand up and cheer. And it's not that I trust her, everybody. I'm not saying to trust Lacey Green, but like, really, what are we going to do by extending a little kindness to somebody that's interested in our perceptions and our worldview? Um, I know what she has done. She has been, she has said some just asinine stuff. Um, she's done some pretty bad things that she's talked about too. Uh, but like I talk about in my video, like I think that she's, she's like what, 25 or something like that. I'm not entirely sure. Yeah. Um, but I think that she's somebody that grew up Mormon and felt really restricted in that and then totally overcorrected with this, um, like hypersexualized histrionic style of feminism. And now after the election, when she saw that public opinion has really changed, um, she's, been brought back to a more neutral ground. She's been influenced and, and everybody's like, well, how do you know she's genuine? How do you know? She I don't give a shit. Even if she, if, even if she's genuine, she has huge influence. And just the fact that pressures, external social pressures are forcing her to take a more neutral approach to her brand of feminism. I find that vastly reassuring and I'm going to be really nice to her. Um, while keeping in mind that she, uh, sorry, can't be trusted. <laughs> sorry. I mean, <laughs> well, she's got to earn it. No, I'm, I'm yeah. generally with you. Um, uh, I get that people are saying to be skeptical of her and I get that people want her to do more disavowing and apologizing for some of the ridiculous crap that she said. The thing that sticks with right. me the most is after Trump's election, calling everyone racist, misogynist, right, pieces right. of shit. However, um, I do genuinely believe that, I mean, I don't know that I ever called political opposition, racist, misogynist pieces of shit, but there was a time where I was, you know, lefty, lefty person like her believed untrue things generally about the right wing or Republicans or political opposition generally. I mean, I, and my, my perspective has shifted over time as has yours. And I'm glad right. that it's happened. And I didn't disavow all my past stances necessarily. I'm, I'm just not going to be overly critical of a person taking a step in the right direction. Right, right. Oh, oh um, and something else that I forgot about is the, that really bothers me is the false DMCA-ing that she did yeah. to, um, to roaming sure. and some other people. Uh, so, you know, she's got some, she's got some things to atone for. Uh, I would really like to hear her come out and say, you know, I was um, a really motivated, vitriolic feminist, and I said a lot of things that I shouldn't have. I took action against people's videos that I shouldn't have. I'm singing a different tune now because... Yeah. I've been enlightened to some different worldviews, um, and I apologize. I'm sorry for how I conducted myself. Yep. I'd really like to hear her say that. And if she did, you know, um, I could pretty much get over like most of the things that she said. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And I think the critics may be right in that too. It would be nice to hear like an "I'm wrong" somewhere in there. I yeah, I mean, but, um, but this is how it I starts. I have a problem with public reaction on this. Like, I don't know if you looked at the comments for my video, but like. It's like hundreds and hundreds of comments are like, fuck this fucking bitch. I hope she dies. How can you ever, <laughs> how can you ever say that you would ever accept somebody, accept somebody like this? How can you even listen to somebody like this? Like hundreds, hundreds of comments like this. I'm like, wow, yeah. do you guys well, really hate her so much? To this, to this. Um, I understand, I guess. Let me make a plea to them because I, I appreciate what Lacey has to say from just like a purely, just from. An intellectual standpoint, I really like that she's keeping an open mind. I, I buy her as genuine, but maybe you don't. Maybe you're critical. Let's think about this just from a strategic perspective. Like, you may hate Lacey Green. Presumably part of the reason you hate Lacey Green is because she is very influential in feminist circles and advancing feminist worldviews that you believe to be wrong or harmful or bad or whatever else. Man, you start, like, pulling Lacey Green a little bit over. That, from a practical 
tactical perspective, whatever you want to call it, just getting results and diminishing diminishing the influence of feminism. Right. That's right. a really powerful ally to have. So maybe you do hate Lacey Green, but I bet you hate feminism that. more. Yeah. yeah, that's true. And nobody's even talked about how we can, and I hate to use this term, but utilize Lacey Green as an asset <laughs> to weaponize against the social justice community. I haven't heard anybody <laughs> talking about that. Leave it to you like, to put humans into the like uh, capital, the, the category of capital oh, or an asset. <laughs> Why do you think that even though she was a total bitch to us for like however long she's had her channel that everybody's like, oh, oh, well, let's be so nice to her. It's because they're thinking, wow, she's got a fuckload of influence in the social yeah, justice warrior yeah. community. Come on. No, Come I, on. I, I know. I'm just saying like it's uh, it's just a, it's a very blonde fear take. It's a very... <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a very realist no, I mean, take. I, yeah. I like Lacey. Uh, I think that this was a a bold step in the right direction, and I don't care if she's genuine because her influence is the same. Yeah, uh, and and I, people have, have got a lot of tweets like, hey, you guys should host Lacey Green. I will send out an email. I would love to talk to Lacey Green. Um, I don't I don't think it's likely just because she's going to be in high demand and, you know, we, we pull who we can, but, you know, we're, we're not high up on the list necessarily, but we'll give it a shot. We'd love to talk to Lacey. Uh, real quick, and then we'll move on to the next topic. Um, she mentioned that she's getting hate from some of her critics because she is getting cr criticism from people who are more of our perspective. She's getting criticism from her own too. Of course, she's getting canceled oh, yeah. for this. Yeah. So this exchange with Steve Shives. <laughs> uh, how did anyone acquire these tweets? Someone who wasn't blocked. No, that's true. I, I had to log <laughs> out to access these tweets of Steve Shives. Um, so uh, to, to in general, talking about talking about Lacey Green, remember, this is the alternative to Lacey Green is something like Steve Shives. I don't want to make friends with anti-feminists far more, far more productive to befriend someone at YouTube who could delete all their channels. Is that serious? Is that hyperbole? I'll let you be the judge. Uh, but anyway, Lacey Green responds with what I think is a very wise take, very wise response. Nobody needs to be friends with anyone else. Okay. Uh, but it's a bit, or it's pretty alarming to frame political censorship and thought policing as quote productive. Right. Round on. of applause from me yeah. on that. Um, and, and something says, else I will say about Lacey is that I don't think she's doing this for the money. Um, because none of us are making any ad revenue and she is doing this while she's gaining like, you know, new friends and everything like that. She's being alienated from her most familiar peer. She's getting ripped up true. a new one publicly by cat black, Steve Shives and everybody of this Buzzfeed community. I'm not. And Steve says, I'm not advocating political censorship. I'm advocating not wasting time making nice with abusive, dishonest, opportunistic people. Well, you just that said, is delete so their fucking channels. stupid. That is the definition <laughs> of political censors. What the? Uh, and then Lacey says abuse is one thing, but banning channels you disagree with is political censorship. A level of civility uh, is necessary to understand each other. So I, I agree in full with Lacey there. I think the question is to what extent is she sincere, honest, genuine, and to what extent should we trust her? I'm generally more open um, than some other people might be. But yeah, you know, when yeah. I get burned, you can tell me, told you so. That's true. I mean, but what's more likely that she's some kind of um, conniving infiltrator that's going to influence from behind the guise of being all right, or that she was a confused and unfortunately outspoken feminist that has been like, wow, that was really stupid, um, which happens to women, you know, when they're in their 20s. Yeah. Um, and maybe she's gotten some new information and she's like, uh, the way that I was living was wrong. What I've told people is wrong. I think that that sounds like more like more of a likely scenario than um, the alternative. Barely stated. Let's uh, let's get, catch up on Super Chat before we move into. Other reformed feminists, uh, everyday feminism might die a terrible, glorious death. Sure. Uh, from Bridge Burner, we've got $15. Um, 
Chatelet from Australia. Why do people keep saying that? Isn't that the, I don't actually know the Chatelet. I don't know the origin of that. That's some, Neither that's do a I. meme people language say it all the time. that's, I'm, I'm, I'm too old for that. Yeah. I don't understand. Kids, kids these days. <laughs> yeah. I know it's some sort of Pepe associated slogan. Oh, I, I know it's I some no kind idea. of Kekistani salute. Let's put it well, that way. Thank you for that bridge burner. Yeah. And then we've got uh, Joel Dykeman gave us $5. Maybe Lacey and Roaming can do a live stream and mend the false DMCA. Yeah, that'd I would be great. Love to um, see that. Yeah. Roaming is just sugar and spice and everything nice. And so I'm sure that she'd be happy to have God, it. Be, it'd be so nice to see those two have a nice little chat after the. Uh, I wanted to rip my face off watching that vegan gains debate, but I don't want to get into that. Oh my gosh. Well, now I've got to watch it. It's Should awful. I, watch I mean, that's why I was saying, no, Roaming, you can't. You can't rip vegans and host Richard Spencer in the same week. The internet is going to try to tear you down. But she's, you know, she's for being such a like a kind of a soft-spoken, sweet person. She holds, she's very strong yeah, in terms she, of the internet's she has onslaught. A big swinging dick. I, I see her do stuff like this all the time, and I'm like, right on, roaming millennials. Right Good for on. her. I, yeah. I admire the courage. I admire the courage. Um. Okay, you ready to move on to everyday feminism? Yeah, yeah. Um, Roaming Millennial actually talked about this in her uh, weekly rundown. We should link that below. Okay. Um, but Everyday Feminism, which is apparently the biggest digital media feminist site on the internet, is about to shut down like at the end of this month. They're having funding problems. Um, so Roaming Millennial went into it a bit in her video, but we actually were looking through the staff bios today, which are so hilarious and misguided. But <laughs> but the the chick, the editing manager, what is her name? Melissa Fabello. She talks about how this is because of fake news and they just can't stay funded because of Trump and all this, these excuses. Yeah. But then you look through their um their about the team on their website, if you can pull that up right now, and every I, single I person. I will. I, I want to play the clip like, really quick. Oh, every cause... single person has like a master's of human sexuality from <laughs> yeah. Berkeley or they went to Oberlin and majored in creative writing. I didn't see a single business degree. I didn't see anything. The best thing that I got um, out of all of these was somebody that had a, um, a, a journalism degree, a bachelor's in journalism from Cal State Long Beach with a minor in peace studies. That was like the most solid degree I saw anybody well, and that, have. And that's what's interesting is like, not only do they does it seem to be a lack um, of kind of business savvy or business qualifications <laughs> on the team, but you had spent the time going through not just like their professional and academic qualifications, but like how they describe themselves oh, in terms yeah. of biography. And we'll, I want to get to that after the clip because I felt bad laughing at these biographies, but then oh, I was like, no, no you, didn't. You, you presented yourself this way. So I get you to laugh. You edited this and thought yeah. about how it was going to be received. You chose those words. Yeah. You put so that comma there. Let's hear what, <laughs> let's hear her describe. This is the managing editor of the website describing the, the, the chaos or the, the peril that they're in. Hey y'all, it's Melissa, and I have some very, very important news to share with you, but it's bad news, which is that everyday feminism is literally on the verge of shutting down. Like literally, literally, we might shut down. Everyday Feminism is the largest independent feminist media site in the world with an audience of millions of people. And what we do as an educational platform is help people break down and stand up to everyday oppression, which is like super important. Unfortunately, independent feminist media is really hard to keep financially sustainable, especially in the time of like attacks on free speech and fake uh, news like, uh... and 
just <laughs> Donald Trump in general. And when I say we're struggling financially, I mean like for real, for real, we may not be able to exist after the month of May. We need to save EF because literally white supremacists are in power. We need to save EF because people literally? are waking up to what it means to protest and resist for the first time ever. We need to save EF because marginalized people need healing and liberation. You can donate to us, please, 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 please using the link right here. <laughs> You serious? <laughs> uh, that's how I feel about <laughs> donating anyway. Um, yeah, no, I, I I felt the same thing that uh, that you were commenting there when I when I watched this. Like literally, I manage like literally the largest publication of like literally feminist uh, research and like literally articles. How Dude, do you manage something and talk like that? I know. How has she gotten through her life and and with sounding so stupid her entire? I mean, people say stuff about my vocal fry. I've got nothing on this bitch. Yeah, nothing. it's ridiculous. Like. Totally. This is this valley girl thing. Who taught and her that? God. White supremacism and Trump have have contributed to their financial troubles. Yeah. What is she talking about? And fake news. That's what I couldn't wrap my mind yeah. around. Like, how on earth is fake news causing the downfall of your blog? I don't even know how she's rationalizing that one. It's like she just threw out a bunch of stuff and was like, one of these covers the financial problems were having. Here's the here's their team. So you pulled, I think, three of the best like bios in here. What were they? Because I want to um, highlight some of those. I guess uh, Nikia Poche. I think okay. she's the first one on the website. Yeah, yeah. Do you have her pulled up? Yeah, yeah. Okay, Nikia Poche is a radical, black, sexually fluid, androgynous visionary, racial and social justice activist, uh, youth development advocate, writer, and cultural critic. She writes about the importance of challenging harmful social norms rooted in imperialist white supremacist capitalist patriarchy and is constantly reimagining ways to harness her unapologetic black rage. Is this fucking for real? Black rage. She is in the process of writing her debut nonfiction book centered on disrupting dominator culture through everyday acts of resistance. I bet that's terrible. I bet it's so bad. <laughs> Can we get a copy? We'll review it on the show. We will review it on the show. What, what else? Okay, oh. Who, who's next? Oh, that's so oh, Ray, Don't forget Ray Finch. Do you have oh, Ray Finch? Then we, then we got Ray Finch, uh, a yeah. social media associate at Everyday Feminism. Uh, they are an editor. They. <laughs> yeah, they are an editor. Are there, are there multiple Rays? How many Rays work at Everyday Feminism? Several Ray so Finches. Okay, they are an editor of Words, Audio, and Video in the Bay Area. They receive their BAs in Anthropology and Women's and Gender Studies. A dude from the University no, of Michigan, Dearborn. <laughs> Queer, non-binary, transgender, and chronically ill. Chronically ill. That's <laughs> like, what the... F what? They I mean, are hate, dedicated... This is where that's why I century. felt bad was laughing at illness, but I was like, you, you oh, that's whatever. part of your bio though. This is part of his identity. Oh, I'm sick. Sorry. They, the their identity, their illness. They yeah. are dedicated to centering and amplifying the lives and perspectives of marginalized people. <laughs> okay. Oh my God. All right. Who's, who's, uh, who's the last? And who's the my one? personal favorite, Alan Palaez Lopez. Okay. <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying. Um, is a quirky gender non-conforming Afro-Indigenous poet okay. from Mexico City. <laughs> Having been undocumented for 16 years, Alan writes about the traumas of migration, growing up poor, and queer and trans activism. Besides everyday feminism, Alan makes and sells jewelry and is a graduate student at UC Berkeley studying... Oh. <laughs> graduate student at UC Berkeley studying the cultural production of undocumented black migrants. <laughs> 
how is it that they're not making money? It must be all that patriarchy and Trump. And how- I implore everybody to go to the about page. We will link we will link it below. But every single bio is like this. It's like I majored in, you know, XYZ from Berkeley. And they're like, why are we failing? It's like because you don't have a fucking accountant. Right. Idiots. And, <laughs> you and, just have a bunch of managing directors and managing editors. And again, and- yeah, yeah. And this is supposed to be the page. And of course, they are describing some of their work, too. But this is supposed to be the page where you're describing your work and your achievements, your accomplishments, your resume. And a lot of their resume is yeah. like, I'm queer. I got a leg chop off, chopped off. I'm black. Uh, nobody knows my gender and I'll never tell. And I'm one of the 73 mysterious ones. Those aren't qualifications. Okay, it's like a contest to to have the weirdest identity possible. Where's the it's alien? Intersectional Where's the extraterrestrial? Concept. Yeah. And I've said this about people like this chronically ill thing. Um, I see this on people's uh, Twitter all the time. Like I'm a feminist with fibromyalgia and Lyme's disease. (laughs) So you've got two garbage pail diagnosis and now I have to kiss your ass because you're tired in the mornings. Fuck you. And I want to be extra clear why I'm laughing. Not laughing at the diseases. Terrible diseases. Sorry about the diseases. Fibromyalgia is a made up disease that doctors give you when you're like, oh, my whole body hurts. And and Lyme's disease is way overdiagnosed too. I'm just saying I'm laughing at you because you're promoting yourself on that basis. That's why I'm laughing. Yeah. At you. And if you really want to beat an illness, then don't make it a huge part of your identity. Yeah. Okay. We're running <laughs> out of time and I got, I got two quick things to get through. So you want to catch up on super chat real quick and then we'll talk about hijabs and then we'll talk about Pepe and then we'll get to the sure. interview. Um, I already said Joel Dykeman, right? Yeah. Uh, we have liberative liberative is always giving us monies. Thank yeah, you. Man. Dude. Uh, Crushing it. $10. Christy Winter damn near docks Lacey and went back through Holiday's tweets. I assume Jeff Holiday. Uh, Jeez. To find minor abrasive shit to lure her, shame her back into the fold. Um, oh, God. I believe that. I mean, I'm sure Lacey's done some shitty, shitty shit, um, but I'm still I'm, I'm still in the same camp of, of us being open about dialogue. Then we have Commander Keck again, gave us $2. Look up Chatelet and play it. Aye, aye. We will do that after the show. Then we have Humane Mind again, $5. If she is insincere, what is the harm? Like I said, um, it's not like Lacey is going to cause the fall of conservatism. She is in a Greek army in Trojan horse. And I agree mm. with that too. And like I said, and I said this to you before the show, it's not like we're all part of some secret like conservative organization that has all of the secrets and, and, you know, and everything like that. We're not going to let you her didn't in. come to and, the Illuminati meeting. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. what's the big harm? Um, and then Jerry Rowe gave us $5. I say, give her a chance. We all screw up. Maybe she is just learning. Agreed. Okay. Oh, Thank we got two us. more. Oh, okay. Liberative gave us five more dollars. Ever notice the number of genders lines up with the number of versions you get from martyrdom Islam. And then <laughs> oh we <God>. have, um, <laughs> <laughs> we have your boy, your boy, your boy, ease, your boy, easy. Maybe is it? Easy? Yeah. 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 Oh, okay. There we go. $10. I'm getting soft in my old age. Should be happy that EF everyday feminism is shutting down, but I feel bad that these young retards are getting such a hard dose of reality. It must suck to see your business fail. You are a better person than I, I will laugh in their faces as all of them have to <laughs> move into their parents. Yeah. Good. Uh, I, I, I support that too. <laughs> That brings us up to uh, Okay, great. So um, I'll be quick with these. We make fun of hijab pullings all the time. I got a, uh, you know, uh, our, our friend Facepalm Reality sent me a great me uh, a picture he'd photoshopped this week of like a, a Bigfoot in a MAGA hat yanking a hijab because that's what how all of these break down. But 
Um, What's the origin of that? Why? Why? Why do we say that we always talk about the hijab pulling? Because they're always hoaxed. They're always nonsense. No, it's because a few months ago, or I guess it was closer to like a year ago, I said that every time I see a woman in a hijab, I have to physically resist ripping oh, is, off. Oh, is head. that why? Okay. Well, I mean, but that in there, they're hoaxed as well. I mean, th there was the classic case in, I mean, there's been several cases that have, that have, uh, there was also the, the lady in New York City who said that oh, a guy tried to right. light hers on fire that was shown to oh, be Oh, wait, wait, when was this? Or it might have been Michigan. Um, it was sometime in the winter, like January. That February. wasn't the girl that lied about it because she was banging some Christian guy and then her Muslim father punished her by shaving her head. I that was in New York. Uh, I don't remember that one. That one's oh. news to me. Or I forgot <laughs> well, about I guess, it. Maybe. I guess we got lots of them then. Uh, I'm she wasting made time up some on this. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so this story comes out this week. U.S. teacher rips off eight-year-old girl's hijab. Fired. <laughs> teacher at a school has been fired after allegedly ripping a hijab off an eight-year-old girl's head for misbehaving. This teacher, Ogintega Ida, 31, demanded that the girl at the Bennington School in the Bronx uh, take her religious scarf off. The girl was misbehaving. He ripped it off um, and apparently caused an injury to her eye, but she's been checked out and there isn't serious injury. Uh, he's been fired. That's the long story short here. I don't want to get Aww. too far into this. So uh, as a disciplinary action, this teacher apparently, uh, he didn't he didn't say praise Trump. So, you know, it's not a perfect one. It's not a perfect one. And he doesn't sound like a white supremacist. Oh, oh. So she was just misbehaving. And so he ripped off her hijab as punishment. It wasn't some kind of like religious yeah, I mean, imperative or anything. It doesn't necessarily sound like it. Mm, so, you know, it's yeah, it's I mean, we're <laughs> that's a shame that it's not actual <laughs> religious discrimination. <laughs> yeah. But to the point, we're not seeing what is claimed, you know, a lot of times as like anti-Muslim bigotry. It, it doesn't seem to be at least purely that. Uh, I will show you a case. This is back from February that I had not previously seen that somebody showed me uh, or I got linked to as well. This looks much more like bigotry. Now, this guy admits to this, but I want to see the footage. I still want to see the footage, but you'll never see the footage. Man admits ripping niqab off woman and yelling, you are in our country now, you stupid fucking Muslim in England. <laughs> I mean, I hate to laugh, but this is the case. Like, this is the case, apparently, uh, that we've been missing. Uh, this is at a shopping center. You and you are in our country now. You stupid fucking Muslim. Peter uh, Scotter, 55, um, appeared at, at in court, to, and he admitted to this racially aggravated assault. I don't know how it's racially aggravated if, the, if she's wearing a wow. knob. What a base That's, dude. What was his, uh, <laughs> <laughs> what was his punishment? Uh... He hasn't been, he's not, he hasn't gone to trial yet. It's coming mm -hmm. up. Well, let's all hope for a $50 fine. Eh? And and interestingly, I love this. Pounds. His, um, his attorney, his attorney, Tony Hawks, not Tony Hawk, <laughs> Tony Hawks. Uh, <laughs> that's kind of funny anyway. So yeah. Uh, and apparently she had some kind of minor neck injury or whatever. Oh, um, the hell she actually, did. he might've gone to trial by now since this is old news. Another thing about this guy, he had 66 previous convictions for 157 offenses, including actual body harm, breaching a football banning order and racially aggravated criminal damage. Um, I'll have to look into it. Uh, the judge told Scooter he will be sentenced in three weeks and granted him conditional bail. So he's probably been sentenced by now. Probably should have followed up on that, but Hey, we are what your fake news source. Um, it said like Sunderland of, no, of Roker Sunderland. And I don't know my English geography, so I don't know where that is. Neither do I, but I mean, I don't know. This is vigilante stuff that we're going to see the continue happening as all of our countries are taken over and England has a real problem. So I'm surprised we're not seeing more of this. 
I don't know. I just want to be honest that there have been confirmed a job in niqab pollings. That's um, great. That's great. Although still, great. like, I don't, the, 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 the claim is rise in the U.S., you know, like English, for the first one is a teacher who was doing it for disciplinary purposes. The second one is English. I'm, they're, they're not quite what we've been told, which is like Trump has inspired lots of anti-Muslim sentiment. And uh, yeah. neither of those really fit that mold too well. Nope. Sure don't. Um, did the hill crash? I had a, I had an article from the hill here about Pepe. Do you want to catch up on super chat while I try to pull this up? Uh, sure. Oh. We have Steven Suarez, $2. Oh, hey, Steven. Can we see your dog? Yeah, sure. Mine's out there. I, I can't grab him. My door's No, closed. no, blonde. They want to see okay, my good. dog. Good. Yeah. Say hi, Caesar. Um, and then we have Andrew Carroll gave us $5 and said something about the Vikings. Good. What do you say about the Vikings? Uh, it better have been positive. S-K-O-L, Skull, Skull. Vikings. That guy gets it. You do not, but that's fine. You no, know I don't football. know. <laughs> yeah, okay, Vikings, whatever. I think I got this, this article good to go. Uh, so this is the last piece we have, and then we'll get out of here. Um, Pepe, uh-oh, we got some kind of graphical issue. Oh, oh Anthony Brian Logan's in the chat. Hello. And he? we're about to air your interview in a few minutes. Yeah, coming up momentarily. Uh, so Pepe the Frog, uh, killed off by his creator. Um, the creator of Pepe the Frog posted this single slide on his website or his Tumblr or whatever because he's been trying to fight the alleged alt-right or white supremacist hijacking of Pepe. And he's Aww. given up. He gave Pepe a little casket and a little funeral. Um, <laughs> and he, de I mean, he debuted this character in 2005. He's owned Pepe since. Uh, but he's given up. Um, it's a nightmare. The only thing I can do it, uh, is see this as an opportunity to speak about, uh, to speak out against hate. <laughs> time magazine so oh what a douche yeah that, but that's the trouble look uh, applause for creating pepe but the reality is you've created a monster okay you can't stop the internet and even pepe's funeral scene here has created superior memes than existed before i love this one this is a picture of pepe's funeral frog causes hillary to lose election winds up dead only a few months later coincidence <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> And then th I thought Ben Garrison really nailed this. Like, this is yeah. a picture of the creator, Matt Fury. Um, no, I killed you. And Pepe, Pepe looking like the Monopoly man saying, who the hell are you? Because, uh, yeah, he's out. He's outgrown. Everyone knows who Pepe is. Nobody knows who Matt Fury is. Sorry, you created a monster. It's over. Don't try to yeah. stop the Internet. The Internet Did he always really wins. think that this was going to cause everybody to stop using Pepe? I don't know. Maybe it was just for his own purposes of like, I realize that I can't control this and this is my own goodbye. To maybe my it was a project that he was doing with his therapist, like art therapy. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> I just, I, I, the Pepe is the classic example of like the more attention and, and demonization you put towards something, the, the more popular it gets. Cause honestly, Pepe probably would have been a dead meme by now if he wasn't yeah, propped totally. up by Hillary. Clinton and it's not all white. I mean, how many Pepe's do you see? Like, in SS uniform percentage wise, it can't be more than like 10%, right? Well, I <laughs> mean, I saw some good ones on Twitter. I saw, um, who was, I saw one of an SS Pepe putting Bill Nye and a bunch of like gender non-binary people in a gas chamber. That was in my mentions this week. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, I've seen them. I'm not going to deny that I've seen them, uh, but you know, the most Pepe's I see, not all Pepe's, not all Pepe's not are like the Pepe. ISIS equivalent of, of Pepe's. Um, Pepe is a meme of peace, generally speaking. Uh, <laughs> and I, he'll probably live on cause these people give him more power.
Anyway, that's all I got. Uh, unless you have more Pepe commentary. Uh, no, I'm good. Okay. And we're caught up on Super Chat, too. Oh, we are caught up on Super Chat. Excellent. Okay. Well, um, thank you to our Super Chatters, of course, for um, for supporting the show. We really appreciate it. You guys help um, help us out in this uncertain times of YouTube advertising. Really appreciate that. So thank you. Um, and be sure to stay tuned. Anthony Brian Logan coming up next. Really enjoyed our chat with him. Good dude. A lot of common ground. Uh, and uh, I, I really enjoyed it. Thanks, as always, to our live viewers and live chatters. Shitposting way, keeping us honest, while we try to maintain sincerity. If you are listening on YouTube or an audio platform on demand, thank you kindly as well for supporting the show. There is more material. If you want more of the show, there is more of it on the audio platform. To get extra interviews, the call-in show, things like that. It's all on uh, iTunes, Google Play. Uh, those are all linked in the description for you if you want more listening. You can email us. That's beautyandthebeta at gmail.com. We will be back next Sunday with the Warskis. That's going to be fun. If it's Sunday, sorry Chuck Todd's not meet the press. It is Beauty and the Beta. We'll see you then. Anthony Brian Logan next. back we are pleased to host our guest this evening i've had several requests to host him fellow youtuber anthony brian logan anthony welcome to the show thank you for having me great to be here yeah we're really happy about it like i said um i know we have a lot of overlap we've had a lot of requests to have you so um i know there's a lot of people watching both of us and i hope this will be uh something interesting interesting for those guys um but i myself am fairly new to your channel uh so I just want to give you the floor to start and just just tell us about you know your YouTube work or you know, all. The, I know you're doing stuff beyond YouTube as well, so just give us the rundown on uh, on ABL if you would. Okay, basically what I am for those of you who don't know, I'm a black conservative. That's pretty much my whole thing. Um, that's pretty much a label I like to use on myself because it's kind of hard to describe what I am. I'm not really a big fan of boxes. We'll probably get to that a little bit later. I'm not a big fan of boxes, but that's probably the best way to describe me. Um, they say I'm like a unicorn because we really don't exist in the black community. <laughs> everybody's liberal. Everybody says, hey, you got to vote, um, you know, you got to vote for the Democratic Party. If you don't, it's something wrong with you. So I represent a voice that is around in the black community, but is often silenced and pushed to the side. So that's pretty much what the platform on the YouTube is all about. Talking about social issues, talking about news and stuff like that, politics, uh, big time Trump supporter, uh, voted for him. Um, so that's pretty much a basic rundown of what my channel is all about. It's really interesting that you say it. And I know I was looking at your website and you mentioned like the controversy of just being a black conservative, which, um, is an experience that I 
don't understand firsthand, obviously. Like the idea of someone, well, I guess so you're fucking a white male. I mean, <laughs> there is that. But generally speaking, you know, I, I do think to some extent, like, I don't know, white people are just men in general, maybe women too, but you get more latitude in what is like acceptable from your political perspective. And the other thing you mentioned is like, so you get on YouTube and you, you start talking about your conservative perspective. But I think that's what's really interesting about YouTube and the internet and the modern day and all this stuff. What a great outlet to connect with other people of the same perspective. Because I wonder previously, like I, I'll let you speak to it, but to the extent that there's hostility in your everyday life or, you know, there's controversy and just having the perspective that you do how beneficial has the internet and youtube been to connect with other black conservatives oh it's been it's been tremendous because the thing the thing about it is it's like we exist but we're often kind of like spread apart spread apart different states different countries even like it might be two or three of us in the state of virginia where i'm at right now i'm kind of you know exaggerating but it's not it's not that many of us but when you're able to get on the internet and reach the whole country reach the whole world you're able to see people from all over the world that share your same point of view. People that were afraid to come out and say anything, now they feel like they have a voice. They can live vicariously through you, so to speak. So that's definitely been very important. And I think that having an internet connection to a lot of different people aided in the election because people that were feeling like they were alone, they had nobody really to turn to talk about their politics, being a black person, they found people like me and others now they say, okay, now I have people that's on my side. It's not just me out here by myself. Yeah. You know, I got ABL, I got X, Y, and Z person. So that definitely helped a lot. Diamond so, and Silk, I think of too. Oh yeah, Diamond. Diamond. They oh, were yeah. on Crowder uh, last week. Yeah, yeah. love them. What like characters. They? Yeah. I wish we would have met them at the RNC. Yeah. They had a, a big queue of people to meet them. But um, more generally, how have you been treated and received by the black community? Um, not necessarily conservatives on YouTube, but uh, do people uh, in your community where you live, do they know about your channel? Do they know who you are and what you do? I mean, where I live, where I live is kind of weird. Like, okay, I'm going to tell you about myself. What I am is a graphic designer, like full-time. That's my day job, so to speak. And I've been self-employed for about 10 years. Now, in that 10 years, I've been dealing with the black community almost exclusively, not necessarily by um, like I intended to do that. It's just kind of how it happened. I know a lot of people in this area. I'm, not, I'm in Virginia. It's a high black area. If you guys are in a different part of the country, it might be kind of a low black area. But where I'm at, the state is probably about, I don't know, maybe about, it's, it's a high black population. Where I'm at right now, it's probably about 30% black with a 1.7 million population in the metro mm -hmm. area. So it's a lot of us here. So I've been dealing with the black community for a long time. People know what I do, but I get respect because people know me already from just dealing with me for many years. So I don't have problems here in this area, but online, oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> people that don't know me, oh, you're a cone, you're Uncle Tom, you're a solo. I get that every day on the, in the comments. When are they going to invent some new terms, by the way? They need hey, some new slurs. I know they're all so tired. <laughs> get creative. Yeah. Hey, that's, that's what I want to know. You know, it's like, come on, man, be creative. Get some new terms. It's yeah. like, I'm tired of hearing the same three catchphrases from you guys. Like, give me something else. Like, every now and again, I might get a real deep letter or something like that. It's like, okay, now you put a little bit of heart into it. You put a little bit hmm. of soul. Now I'm feeling where you're coming from rather than just giving me these three little slurs. So I, I agree with you on that. But online, it's a lot of hate because they don't know me. But here, I get love. Have you, um, have you always had a conservative perspective? I, I was reading that you come <laughs> from like a political family. Your, your dad, your grandpa were politically involved. Have you always been on, have you always had a conservative perspective or is that something that developed? Well, I'm gonna tell you about the black community if you don't know. 
what the way we grew up is very conservative socially, but liberal politically. That's how most of us grow up. You grow up in a church. Uh, I didn't grow up in a church per se, but my, my mother and my father, they did in West Virginia, which is like, you, you can't get no more conservative debt. In West Virginia, growing up in a church, that's like super conservative. So I was raised with a lot of those same values. Okay. But liberally, it was always, you better vote Democrat. So it, when I got older, I just kind of married my philosophy of being very conservative. I'm talking about conservative to the point where you can't curse. If you curse in front of your parents, uh, it's like I did that one time to my mom. She almost cried, and I was like a teenager. Tell so, your mom not to watch this show. Then. She's, <laughs> no. she's going to be real mad. Hey, Mostly because of mom. Blonde, though. I know. I'm sorry. Yeah. Hey, shout, shout out to mom. She know what it is. She's very conservative. So is my father. Yeah. But that's what I'm saying. Like, they were very conservative, and I was raised with that. And I just, as I got older, being involved with business, you understand how things work, how the world works. And it just made sense to marry my conservative social thing with the the politics. So that's pretty much what that was. But I was not necessarily political when I was young, but mm -hmm. I was always a conservative person in my behavior. Okay. You got a question, Blonde? You guys are breaking up <laughs> in the audio. I'm sorry. Oh, I did we lose you? I was going to say, what are you doing? You leaving me hanging? So maybe we're losing Blonde here. Oh, no. Sorry. Now you're frozen. Oh. Can you can hear you me? Hear? I can hear you. I can hear everybody. Oh, oh, oh gosh, you guys are man. good. You guys are it's good. It's like uh, every time we 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 pre-tape, we get technical difficulties. Oh. We had we had bass yeah. stick man on uh, a couple weeks ago. Oh, that one a... wasn't our fault though. He he had a bad internet connection. Yeah, you guys are okay. Some... You're coming in, so... Crystal. Clear. Okay, cool. Well, I was gonna. I was. I thought you were just like blank staring or something. I was like, come on, <laughs> on <laughs> ask sorry. a question. You're making no, things no, awkward. I, did. Um, I actually <laughs> did have a question about this. Um, so you cover issues in the black community on your channel, uh, like the, the crime that plagues the black community. It's one of your, your heavy focuses. I discuss a lot of those things too. So if you could choose a few things that really need to be changed, like what can the black community do to improve some of the problems like single motherhood, the abortion rate, uh, the crime rate, things like that? I mean, the first thing is to abolish the welfare state. That's what, that's, that's the key. That's, that's the key. That's the master key that unlocks everything because there was a point in time, I'm not sure if you know, I'm not really sure you know, what, your, what your information is, but before 1960 in the black community, we had an 80% two-parent household rate. At hmm. one point in time, the marriage rate in the black community was higher than that of the white community. At one point yeah. after slavery. But then what happened was you had LBJ, Great Society, War on Poverty, et cetera, et cetera, all these entitlement programs. And then you saw the, um, the, the two-parent household rate plummet. Now we're at 72%. Yeah single parent household rate in the black community. How do you go from 80% two parents to 72% one parent? It's because of the welfare state. Once you eliminate that, it, it's going to make it to the point where we have to have two parents in the household or we won't be able to survive. Right. It was a necessity back before 1960. You know, my great grandparents were together until my, you know, my great grandfather was like 85. You know, my, my grandmother passed like 95. You know, that's how it was back then. But now, Nobody gets married. You just have kids willy nilly. And yeah. the reason why is because they know they're going to be backed up by Uncle Sam. Uncle Sam is now the father. Once you remove Uncle Sam as a father, everything else will follow. That's yeah. how you get it from there. I've, I've heard that before, that, that the black father has been replaced with the state. And what a tragedy for that to be the case. I, I, let me ask you this. To what extent do you think that is um, 
kind of incidental or malice? Because I know a lot of people will say like, no, no, this is the Democratic Party. They've intended to create this you know, plantation, forgive the term, but that's the term a lot of people use. Do you think that there is malicious intent on the people who have created the welfare state you're describing? Or do you think that they went into things with good intent and it's sort of morphed into something that has become a bad thing? Well, I can't really call it. I think some people that were involved had good intentions, but some others may not have had good intentions. And I think what's going on today is most certainly malicious intent, because once you the Democrat Party got a pretty much stranglehold on the black community. So they don't want to have anything that could prevent that from being the way it is now, because before 1960, we also had more parity in our voting. You know, it's about 50 50 Democrat Republican. But now it's like 90 percent Democrat. So they don't want to break that. If that breaks, then they're not going to be able to survive anymore. They're barely hanging on by a string right now. We saw what happened with Hillary. I mean, that was an embarrassment. And if they lose that big voter block, nobody has a chance from Democrat Party yeah. anymore, in my humble opinion. So now when you're talking about stuff like school choice, uh, welfare reform, things that will actually help the black community improve, they're going to be against that. And then they're going to convince those that are their constituents to be against that as well, because it's going to diminish their voter block. So at one point, it was more altruism. It, it was positive intentions for the most part. But now, in 2017, it's more negative. Just bums me out to, th to think there might be people who prioritize the vote that keeps them in office over the well-being of families. Uh, if that's a thing, that's <laughs> what a sad yeah. state of affairs. And of course, there's the influence of, of feminism on the black community. And I said once on my channel that uh, black women are perhaps the worst afflicted with with feminism. And this was hotly contested on my channel. There were there were a lot mm -hmm. of people that were like, that's not true. They tend to be more traditional. Do you have any um, any commentary on that? Oh, uh, you, you're 100 percent correct. Um, <laughs> feminism, man, I could talk about that for years, but <laughs> I keep it brief. Um, feminism definitely decimated a lot of what's going on because the thing about it, it it's the whole sexual revolution that's the that's the key with the black community sexual revolution it was a point in time where if you were a single mother you were a disgrace you were like trash you were like you know i heard one story from somebody that's a little bit older than me probably in his 40s and 50s he was talking about how he was young he saw a young lady probably 15 to 16 she was pregnant no nah, she she was she had a baby in a stroller and you had two older black women that came up to her, cussed her out. How dare you bring this baby in here? You ought to be ashamed of yourself. But now that's gone because now you can't, you can't slut shame. You can't, um, you know, it's, you could do whatever you want. That whole ability of women to control themselves and also to have men in their lives before they had a baby, that's gone now. Now you say, you know, I'm a strong woman. I don't need no man. So now you got babies all willy nilly. And these babies, when they are grown up with no father, they're going to be the dope boys out there on the corner. They're going to be the guys in the penitentiary or dead by the time they get to be 21. That's what's happening. Send your hate mail to Anthony Brian Logan at <laughs> gmail.com. What's your email? Sorry. <laughs> oh, uh, contact AnthonyBLogan.com. Yeah, there, there we go. There we go. <laughs> Not us, okay? Our <laughs> inbox is full of it already. True. <laughs> um. <clears throat> I did want to, well, there are a few things that I was watching on your channel that I thought were really interesting because I think we're on a similar, but we come, we have a similar perspective on. So I was, I, last night I was watching you talking about um, the wrench to the left-wing narrative that is Rachel Dolezal. And I just, <laughs> I love Rachel Dolezal. And you and I kind of, and, and Blonde shares this perspective too, I think, which is 
we've talked about this on our show and I was, I was, I enjoyed listening to you talk about it too, because to me, it seems wildly inconsistent to say Caitlyn Jenner is a clear hero and Rachel Dolezal is a clear fraud. Now I could see the case to be made for both or the case to be made for neither, but for whatever reason, as you kind of touched on, they insist that one is to be protected and that one is to just be um, just shoved away as a complete joke. Why do you think that is? Like, why is transgender obviously real and trans race is obviously fraudulent? I can't figure out why why they stick to that position. There, there's a lobby behind people that are transgender. There's a whole big group. You got all kinds of groups that indoctrinate people from a very young age to understand or to make them understand what uh, being transgender is. Um, Glisten, Glad, all these groups. I can go on, but I don't want to get nobody in trouble. But it's a lot of different groups that are out there that are behind it. But as far as being transracial, what group is out there to talk about somebody being transracial? So it's easy to dismiss it as being ridiculous and also it's a way for the people that are in the trans lobby to keep the focus on them and not try to conflate anything because really it should be conflated because if i can wake up one day and say you know what i want to be a woman i'm six foot three i'm obviously a male but you know what today i'm i'm five foot five and i got on a pair of heels and i'm 100 pounds now i'm 200 pounds right now but you know what no i identify as five foot five 100 pounds <laughs> and i'm white too so now you got recognized, yeah. it, but, but they don't want that they, privilege. They just claim yeah. it. I mean, if you if you could just sign up to be a white male and get all the privilege, here's the question, right? So white males have all the privilege, but then you got you know trans people are oppressed on the hierarchy there. So if you transition to a white male from say a black female, like at what what level on the hierarchy are you at that point? Do they kind of cancel out and you're neutral, or are you? <laughs> Uh, boy, that's that right there. See, my, my head is spinning right now. <laughs> I, I, that's, that's, a, that's a crazy question. Hey, it was a funny story. Shout out to my man, Kevin, that called my live show. He was talking about how this woman became a white male. I, I'm, you know, I'm kind of confu confusing myself talking about it, but the person became a white male and they were a member of some kind of organization and they got voted in. But then when they transitioned during the period of time they had been elected, they got removed because they were a white male and they were part of the patriarchy and they were being oppressive. <laughs> <laughs> where, where was this or what, what office was this? I can't even remember if I can find it, I'm gonna send it to you, but I heard that live on my show. I'm gonna send it to you if I can find it. But okay, that's crazy. I, I, I would like to know. Yeah. <laughs> I remember seeing a little while back on Crowder's show, he had the first trans mayor from a place in Texas. Oh, it was man. a pretty interesting interview. Um, <laughs> it's, it's a few months old, but worth a listen if people are interested. Oh yeah, but I, I, I don't know. I, I don't feel bad for Rachel Dolezal. I don't know what it is. <laughs> I don't know what has made my icy heart feel so much pity and empathy for her. But I feel genuinely bad for her. I think it's because I, I believe that she has respect for the black community. Oh, yeah. The way she was brought up was very bizarre. Um, I think that she probably developed some weird childhood complex because she had um, didn't didn't she have two adoptive like black siblings and they were probably treated well, preferentially think, or something like that. Yeah, it gave I her think some her weird parents adopted, adopted <clears throat> black children when she was in her teens, I think was the story. Oh, she was a mm. teenager. Mm. Yeah. It's not quite as she's, a, she's significantly older than they are. If I recall correctly, it's not quite as simple as pity's um, probably misguided. I don't know why I feel sorry for her. Well, I, to, I do <laughs> believe that her intent is, is good, but this is what's interesting. I forget where it was that I saw this, but some there was an, an article I was reading or somewhere, but they were talking about this exact point, which is like 
to me, Caitlyn Jenner, Rachel Dolezal, basically the same person, and we should treat them as the same thing, generally speaking. But this person was making the argument that like it's it's offensive to compare them, and they basically used <laughs> Dolezal as like a slur. You know what I mean? Like Rachel Dole, Rachel Dolezal has been pushed so far down that she is a slur in and of herself, or like an insult. You know, like don't don't be compared to Rachel Dole, don't be compared to a Nazi, and don't be compared to Rachel Dolezal. Those are the two worst things you can be yeah, compared really. to. Well, what she's doing to her body is way less intrusive than what Caitlyn Jenner is doing, though. She's oh, yeah, just yeah. like getting to tan and braiding her hair. Isn't Caitlyn yeah. Jenner getting stuff she chopped got the, off? She got the chop. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, what so about the, the Adam's gone. apple? Yeah. yeah, they got, they, <laughs> yeah that, that was first to go. They shaved the Adam's apple down. The apple. Is there a surgical <laughs> procedure to do that? Did they yes. actually? Oh, okay. So I, I thought that was a joke, but they actually. No, no, no. Yeah. No, nah, that's real. Yeah, that happened. Does it look good when they're done? I've, I don't think I've ever seen that. Hey, I'm not, I'm not Jenner. Day. She looks like I mean, a welting Max. Or, decent or like a, rack, though, right? I mean, they did an all right job on that. So wait, you know, even <laughs> think about it, as he, he's she, he, Caitlin is a big person. Caitlin is six foot two, 200 pounds. Yeah. So imagine, imagine you see that person in the bathroom, you know, like, hey, like blonde. Imagine if you've seen Caitlin Jenner in the bathroom peering over the stall at you when you're sitting down. Yeah, I'd be like, get out of here, and I'm calling the police. <laughs> for sure. God, but I do see people in Seattle all the time. This actually happened this morning. I saw um like a full, I don't know, six foot two tall man. He had like long hair pulled into a ponytail, just wearing like women's shoes and a skirt, but like had a full beard. Like you people aren't even trying. You need to commit. At least Caitlyn Jenner is, you know, right? You seen it through. <laughs> exactly. No, Putting got, got in the through. effort. The results are nope. questionable, but the effort is there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, another character I'm, I'm interested in talking, talking to you about, cause I was watching another one of your, um, one of your videos on Francesca Ramsey. Um, oh, and, and, um, you know, we've all had our experiences with Francesca Ramsey. I, I never made a Francesca Ramsey response video until recently. And she went on some tirade on Twitter about me calling me a liar and so forth. But you oh. mentioned there was one point in your video where you're like, look, I think it might have been at the start of it even where you're like, look, I think Francesca is like a somewhat of a reasonable person. I think you said, I think she's pretty. I think yeah. her mind has been like destroyed. But you had some some <laughs> level of compliment for her. And um, and I kind of share that too. Like I, I do think that there's something there, but it's been warped by like a weird, a weird perspective on the world. So my question is like, uh, I don't know, just if you could expand upon that a little bit more, but I'm also curious, like, has Francesca ever engaged with you? Has she ever spoken with you? Do you think that, and if she hasn't, do you think there's any hope that that would be a possibility? Okay, I'm going to ask you a last question first. She has not engaged me. She has not seen me before. She's not talked to me before, but I know she knows that I exist because people tweet her all the time and they tweet me at the same time and they tweet her the video. Uh -huh. So I know she knows I'm here, but I've not talked to her yet and she's not blocked me. Not, a lot of people that make response videos about her, they get blocked. I've never been blocked. So that could be something right there. But ah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like I like her. I like I like the way she looks. I, th I think she's pretty. People talk about she's ugly. Nah, I think she's pretty, but she's got a messed up mind. I've dated <laughs> girls like her before, you know, you know, real liberal, crazy, but when they get around me, it's like, you know, they can't really continue that same thing. Like, I don't think she's like that in her personal life all the time. I don't I don't really believe that. I think she's just putting out content. That's what I really believe. So I think there is something there to kind of just. But the get return around. on investment's so bad for her. I mean, everything's downvoted like crazy. It must but, have some personal cause. But she got a Comedy Central gig. I mean, she's rising, not falling. But she's know? universally despised. Yeah. I mean, but you got to understand, like a lot of us that are on the internet that you know are gonna be 
like really reactionary to those kind of videos. We may be like downvoting it, hating, but at the end of the day, she's getting a lot of attention from a lot of different people, regardless of whether it's hate or love. So you put yeah. her on TV, you're able to get them eyeballs on the channel, even if it's people that don't like her. It doesn't even really matter. They're just looking at the viewers. So that's what that well, is. Well, and was, she has a progressive message. So it win win. Well, I was watching earlier today because Lacey Green uploaded a video today that was like, Have I been oh, really? red pilled? And she kind of Lacey Green is quasi red pilled. She's like halfway oh, there. Oh. And yeah, maybe Anthony can be the guy to red pill Francesca Ramsey. If you hey. think there's hope. I don't know. She seems pretty far <laughs> gone. I was watching your video about her this morning where she was talking about um black children being disproportionately punished uh, compared to white yeah. children, but she uh, didn't mention that they were, you know, committing offenses at a higher rate. She just yes. made the assumption, the verbal assumption that, that they were committing offenses at the same rate. I was watching and I was like, oh my God. And then she literally had these graphics of like a mean white teacher and like yeah. a little black boy. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, my no. God, it's just propaganda. Yeah, it's always no. that assumption that, you know, unequal outcome is indicative of of, right. of discrimination. I mean, it's the same thing you'll hear Shapiro say. It. Like, is the fact that the vast majority of prisoners are men, is that evidence of sexism? Of course not. Men commit more crimes. Right. Sexism. Discrimination. <laughs> oh. I would die of shock if she got red-pilled. But if it, if it happens to Lacey Green, then, you know, who knows? What do you she, mean she's quasi-red-pilled? She, she uploaded mean? a video today that said some. the title is something like, have I been red-pilled? Red and for people watching this on Sunday, we're, we're speaking on Thursday, so it's a couple days old. But um, have I taken the red pill or something like that? And she's basically saying, like, hey, look, if you've noticed, I've been speaking to anti-feminists lately, and um, and it's been mostly productive, and not everyone in the feminist community agrees with me. So her red-pilling is based, as far as I can tell, is basically only so far as she's I'm talking open to people. To talking to people. Yes. Oh, that's just... <laughs> that's how it starts, though. That's yeah, how I it starts. So. Dialogue first. So. That's how it started for me. Yeah, that's how it started for me. I just, talked, I just talked to people, and, you know, then... I left. I left the Democratic Party and the Hillary garbage <laughs> behind, and here we I are. Never looked back. <laughs> <laughs> um, how about this? Uh, I, I mentioned your political family uh, earlier. When are you running for office? <laughs> I get that question every day. I mean, Not I don't really. know. Yeah, I get it every day. I get it a lot. I mean, I don't know. I'm gonna just um, look at what's going on around here. I know kind of like a lot of the players, uh, school board, city council, stuff like that. But I'm going to just look and just kind of examine for a little while. Uh, I may run here where I'm at in Virginia, in the Virginia Beach area, but I may move and do something there. So mm -hmm. only time will tell. We'll see. Well, I'm, I'm glad that the answer was not a definitive no. So breaking news here, by the way, you heard it here first. <laughs> no. Um, but I, I, the other thing that's interesting, too, is like at a certain level, you got to question um, like to the extent that your goal is promoting the values that you have and the perspective that you have, you get a question. It's a great problem to have to question what is the best way for me to exert my influence. And I think clearly you're at a point and a lot of people are on YouTube and on online and stuff that you'd have to ask yourself, am, am I doing more? Am I advancing my perspective more by running for a local school board in Virginia or by sticking on YouTube and getting a lot of eyeballs and ears on it. It's something to think about. What a great problem to have. Yeah. And they're not mutually exclusive, but you know, time is, time is limited. 
Right about that. I mean, I'm just I'm just weighing my options. I, I keep getting that question all the time. So it's like I keep getting the question. So it's like I'm, I'm considering, I'm pondering. So I make a decision. But what I'm doing right now is definitely changing a lot of lives. People have called me on the phone. They said that I've um, converted them. I've red pilled them successfully. Yeah, uh, that's the <laughs> highest one, compliment. It, hey, it was one guy that came from uh, San Francisco Bay Area, right in the belly of the beast. The liberalism said that I was able to convert him. And wow. he was a hardcore leftist, so it's like, okay, I'm 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 getting people to come over to the dark side, so to speak. Yeah, frame that email and and put it on the wall, man. That's yeah. that's oh, yeah. quite the achievement, quite the feather <laughs> in the cap. Absolutely. <laughs> oh my gosh, what a thrill, though. Uh, you know, I, I I do often just kind of marvel at what uh, the internet has enabled, despite all the hurdles of, you know, the the ad boycott and all this stuff. It's just it's it's I think you know, it's cool to step back and look at the ways people can connect and share ideas and, and quite honestly, swing the outcomes of elections, you know, and, and change, yeah. change the direction of the country and the world. What a wild Absolutely. few years it's been. Yeah. <laughs> uh, been crazy. It's been a wild ride, but I'm loving it. Yeah. Yeah. I think I am too. How, how long have you been on YouTube? How long have you been doing it? Uh, I, I've been on YouTube since the beginning, but not as a content creator. Okay. Uh, I started doing videos in 2015, like sporadically towards the beginning, but I say after Thanksgiving of 2015, that's when I started doing it consistently. Oh, okay. So yeah, about 13, 14, 15 months. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So you're, you've, you've grown quite a lot for a relatively short amount of time. That's, that's a good, that's a good amount of traction. Oh yeah. Just, you know, just grinding, just uh, doing the things necessary behind on the back end because with the whole graphic design background, it also comes search engine optimization. That's also what I do. Oh, so that helps me a lot. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, we'll have to speak privately. How do you do SEO optimization <laughs> without triggering the demonetization bots? That's uh, I, that's the great challenge. <laughs> yeah, there's that's, no that's way whole, around it. Yeah. No, nah, they they they're gonna get you. I mean, that's that's a whole different story right there. Yeah. Demonetization or uh, low monetization. That's a whole different ball of wax right there. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. killing us. I'm sure it's killing everybody. Yeah, because even if you monetize, you don't get no ads on the video. Yeah, you, that's you what's happening what to me. The last five videos haven't been demonetized with my ad revenues. I told him the other day, it's down to $10 a month. Which is ridiculous. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I, that, that's the lowest I've heard for anybody. Yeah, I'll have days with just nothing, even though I got 10, 20,000 views. It's, Google it's is now a patron for you. Google is one single patron <laughs> for <Yeah>. you. <laughs> yeah, it's wild. But hey, it is what it is. I'm going to just stick through it. Um. I spoke yeah. to somebody from YouTube that says that it could be improved, but at the same time, they said that it might not be. So we'll see. Oh Are you thinking about moving to any other platforms or do you upload on Vidme or anywhere else besides your website and YouTube? Uh, not at the moment. I may. People tell people telling me to go to Vidme, uh, Minds, stuff like that. I may. But you I know, keep trying, own. but they're inferior. And so I can't talk <laughs> will to do it. Um, yeah. Exactly. That's that's the whole thing right there. They not really. That's not really uh, the the best platform. Event like the the, pl the best platform is YouTube. The only problem is the whole monetization kerfuffle. That's the big thing that yeah. everybody's everybody's worried about. Once they fix that, we're good. But, By the yeah, way, the, the use of the word kerfuffle, I will appreciate as well. <laughs> that's uh, that's one of those great underused terms. Hey man, gotta use it, man. Gotta put it back in the light. I heard somebody on um, inside the NBA say that people were sending me the video say, "Hey, they're using your word on inside the NBA." <laughs> just getting out there, man. You never know. You, could be listen, listening to me. <laughs> you you have you hold the copyright on kerfuffle, do you? <laughs> <laughs> File suit on that and get uh, get what is owed to you. Well, that's uh, that's probably all. We're coming up on a half hour. I asked for a half hour, so I don't want to to hold uh, to hold you longer than 
than we asked for. But um, I want to make sure people can find your stuff if they're not familiar. So uh, what, what's the best place to find you uh, if people are new to Anthony Brian Logan? Okay, the best place is obviously um, is, a, is a YouTube channel. That's youtube.com forward slash a log. That's youtube.com forward slash A-L-O-G-E. You can also search Anthony Brian Logan in Google. Everything comes up, my Twitter, Facebook. That's my two main social media platforms. And that's pretty much it. I'm also on Patreon if you want to go there. That's patreon.com forward slash Anthony B. Logan. That's A-N-T-H-O-N, why the letter B-L-O-G-A-N. Also go to my website, anthonybloggan.com. Awesome. Well, any anything else from you, Blonde? No, thank you so much for coming on. We had a good time. Yeah, we appreciate it, man. Time flew by, and that is always a good sign of a fun interview. Uh, Absolutely, you know, man. Look, I enjoyed look, it. Definitely. Look at the clock, and it's all gone. So, uh, <laughs> definitely, would like to would like to have you back at some point if you're interested. Absolutely, man. Anytime. Let me know. Excellent. Well, thanks, and have a great thanks. night, everybody. Appreciate it. Bye. Bye.